Hey everybody, welcome to another Reality 2.0. I'm Doc Searles. I'm joined uh, this week as usual with uh, Petros Katupis. Um, you're still in Chicago, Petros, I assume? Yes, I am. And it is cold right now. <laughs> I mean, we're in the teens right now. So it's, I think yeah. it's a high of like 14 or 15 degrees today. It's, it's cold here today in Santa Barbara, where it's at 62, <laughs> something like that. And our, anyway, our guest uh, uh, is Dean Lansman. Um, this is going to be our, and, and later, um, Paul Walker. This is our one on radio. I'm, I'm an old radio veteran, um, and radio has been my life, all my life. I've always been obsessed with radio. I grew up around New York, uh, outside my window. I looked at the towers of most of New York's AM stations and was fascinated by them. We would go down and visit the old engineers and learned how it was done and um, got interested in radio from far away and, um, and then had a very brief career in it that gave me a nickname. My nickname, Doc, is what's left over from a character called Dr. Dave on the radio in North Carolina. Um, and that was brief and, and, but it still left me with, you know, this little, um, this little asset. And I wanted to bring in uh, to anchor the show, uh, my old friend, Dean Landsman. Dean is also a, a much longer radio veteran. He's been a, in addition to being the talent, he's owned stations. He's, he's been a consultant. Um, uh, he was, I think a landmark consultant for, uh, for some some formats and and but remains active in in peripheries of the business and especially in the tech world. Um, he's involved in some number of projects that I'm also involved with on a voluntary basis. Uh, so I, and I could say a lot more than that, but just I'll just say hi to Dean. You also live at like about a block apart in New York City when I'm there, which I'm not right now. I got quarantined where, where, out west, where it's 38 degrees. It's 38. It's hot next to Chicago, but there, you know, Chicago is sending that weather east. So you're going to get it in a few days. Um, so, so Dean, I, I, there's way more than an hour's worth of stuff we could talk about. And I'll, I'll try to frame the, the first part of it, of what radio was and what it still is. I mean, there, the Radio, as we know it today, was really born in the 1920s. In fact, AM radio, which we still have, is basically a 1920s technology. And it was, you know, it was where people went for programs, and then that moved over to television. We had primetime on radio, and then when TV came along, a lot of the shows that were on, on radio moved over to TV. And, um, and then we had formats, uh, Top 40 and R&B and Country and Western and so forth. And they fractured some more, and then the Internet came along, and satellite radio, and now that's picked up a lot on what radio did, but it's still there. It's still there in the dashboards of our car. So, so I'm wondering, would you know, kind of give us your take on what most of the rest of us don't know about radio. That's kind of when maybe that's a way to approach it. Well, radio began as the Federal Radio Commission was born in uh, 1932 or 1936. And the purpose in those very early days was for uh, Department of Defense and Department of War to uh, have a handle on giving out information. Uh, it wasn't perceived as entertainment in those days. And uh, it was to be local. And there was a whole government uh, interaction that was uh, planned. It didn't work very well and they didn't really know how to do it. And the next thing you know, 
they were licensing radio stations to local broadcasters who said, hey, I could do something with this. And uh, next thing you know, we had radio stations. And uh, that became exciting because you could then have local news, local information, local programming, and commercials. You know, the, uh, the local this, that, or the other thing store could sponsor the afternoon uh, sing-along, the afternoon this, the afternoon uh, obituaries, which were very popular in, in small towns, uh, because some small towns only had the weekly newspaper. Uh, and in bigger cities, it got, you know, sophisticated. It, it, radio was as sophisticated as the city in which it was in. And um, it was really quite exciting. And people who had an, an eye or an ear or talent found ways to use that talent and broadcast it. And radio tended to grow from there. And radio was very um, unifying uh, because no matter where you were in town or in the coverage area, you heard it the same way someone else in the area heard it. And so it was incredibly unifying. And uh, I just want to add something that gets us a little bit further down the road, but it was immediate. And so it was a source of news and weather, uh, advertising. But then you think about what's really hyperlocal. At local sports, and then school closings, traffic events. If um, the local bank was burning down, you know, there was a time way, way back where there were three or four banks in town and not more, especially when you go back to the 1920s when it began. Well, you know, hearing that on the radio had people running out to the bank and doing a small town run on the bank before the big run came with the mm-hmm. first depression. So, you know, radio was unifying, and, and that was an amazing thing, more so than any other uh, technology of its time. So I, I'm remembering, um, uh, I'm just thinking about how we had stations, and, you know, we had, we had, every small town would have a railroad station and, and, a, and, a, and a radio station. The idea of a station is, I, I mean, is derived from, I guess, stasis in at Latin. I mean, something that's steady, it's in one place, it's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's an interesting thing. I think people looked and, and once they spread radio stations out on a dial, you knew, you know, in New York where we grew up, you know, WMCA is on 570 and WNBC is on 660 and WABC is on 770 and where Petros is in Chicago, you know, WGN's on 720 and uh, WLS is on 890. Uh, and, and, and they're not going anywhere, <laughs> right? You know, that, that's, that was part of it. You know, mm-hmm. that- I, I actually, uh, uh, one thing that you mentioned um, was the fact that radio was not originally intended for entertainment. And, and I love hearing that because isn't that the same story? I mean, we hear the story all the time, you know, the same thing with the internet. The internet mm-hmm. was not designed for entertainment. And then even if, if you go <laughs> back mm-hmm. in time, we're talking about even 5,000 years ago, writing was not invented for entertainment. I mean, it was originally invented for accounting and keeping inventory lists, you know, for the king or whatever Mm -hmm. in ancient Mm -hmm. Mesopotamia, right? I just love the fact that it was not its original intent and here we are. I mean, through the evolution of radio and what we will eventually get to during the course of this, uh, um, this program, I mean, it's just, it's nothing but entertainment. Well, and the same can be said of art, because if you think about art that was in caves, it was not intended as art. It was intended as you should know this, 
you know, there, there are three bulls over there, or there are three elephants over there. Um, it was not, oh, look at the elephant. You know, it's got two tusks. No, it was beware of elephants or be, be knowledgeable of elephants. That's an interesting thought, you know, the petroglyphs and hieroglyphs that on, on cave walls and on the sides of mountains and things, you know, of course, we don't know what they stood for in most cases, but they might have been warnings or something else like that. I, I think the regional, the local and regional nature of, of radio, like local newspapers and, and regional newspapers were, were also very similar, you know, and, and that's a, and, and I wonder whether we're losing that now to some degree. I think we have topical locality with podcasts, uh, but but we're kind of losing the, you know, the, the the regional locality. One of the things that when we first came to New York, uh, my then 15 year old son, he's now 24, um, actually asked what the point, because we went out to buy a radio at Radio Shack at 181st Street, which is now gone. The street's still there, the Radio Shack <laughs> is gone. Um, and and uh, and they didn't have any radios, right? You know, they had a couple of like there was a wind up one that like for emergencies it was chained to the bottom shelf in the back of the store, and the person running the store didn't even know what that was about. You know that oh yeah we have radios I guess, and and he asked me you know what what was the point of range and coverage, because his frame of reference is the internet. You know, and all these stations are on the internet, and if he there was a station he liked it was at Emerson College that did uh, a cappella music which he liked. He was in acapella groups, uh, uh, and and they had acapella like all weekend. Uh, w E R S, I think it is at at Emerson College. He listened to it on the on the internet. He didn't listen to it on 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 the air. <laughs> he didn't care. You know, I gave him a radio once that, that that he could use it for that purpose. He didn't even get good reception up there, but uh, where he was, he went to high school in New Hampshire. But so it's great radio that could get it. But he didn't want to, he didn't even go bother to go to the trouble really. You know, it was like. It's not on the internet. I'm not listening, and and I think something's lost with that. I I developed a sense of the inverse square law, you know, that says that for every doubling of distance, there's a half of the having of power, um, and that's part of what you run into as you drive away from town, you know. And and I understood ground conductivity, you know, which you know is much higher, say in Chicago. You can you can get WGN and WLS and and uh, W some of the others, uh, you know, the big ones, WBBM, uh, well into Michigan and up into Wisconsin. Um, whereas in New York, ground conductivity is not as good. You're not getting any New York City stations in Massachusetts. You're barely getting them in Pennsylvania. You can get them in Bermuda because the the, the ground conductivity of saltwater is great. Um, I don't know if you remember this team, but WINS and WMCA and yeah, it used to take requests from Bermuda. Yes. Uh, because their signals aim down that way, <laughs> you know that there you couldn't you couldn't get them in in Montauk, but you could get them in Bermuda. Well, the interesting thing is WMCA used to do its annual. WMCA was a top forty station, very creative, very entertaining, and they used to do an annual picnic, the WMCA picnic, and people looked forward to it. It was a blast. And one year they decided to have it out. Uh, Somewhere in Suffolk County. The yeah, bad idea. The, the, <laughs> the furthest east county in the New York metropolitan area. And they were promoing it to death. It was going to be great. And there were going to be all kinds of bands playing, bands of note. And only about yeah. 500 people showed up. Um, because first of all, it was Suffolk County. It was out there, you know, which to many, many New Yorkers is in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and 
you can't hear it in Suffolk County. Yeah, it, it's it's a uh, they're they're actually putting like fifteen thousand watts in that direction. They're only putting a hundred back in toward New Jersey. They have they have the most seen transmitter. It's alongside the New New Jersey Turnpike, yeah. but it aims across the city. But it's only five thousand watts and maybe fifteen in that that direction. Yeah. And Long Island, from Brooklyn East, Long Island has the lowest ground conductivity in the country, yeah. and the only thing close to it is Atlanta. Atlanta has bad ground conductivity, and you know, they didn't even know this very much when they laid out the stations, but on the same channel, 570 WNAX in Yankton, South Dakota, same size, covers all of South Dakota, most of North Dakota, northern Nebraska, southwestern Minnesota, northwestern Iowa. And I, on, on, on that, on that, on very, that very same channel, on 570, you, and my mother... Used to, grew up listening to WNAX in Yankton, South Dakota. I looked it up. It's 240 air miles away across mm -hmm. the prairie. And and it's only a 5,000-watt station, which is one-tenth what one of the big stations are, like WABC. But, at, at some point in the, yeah. I believe it was the late 40s, the FCC redid the, the structuring of protection, protection of signals. Uh, to make up for the ground conductivity they just didn't know about when they did early allocation. Yeah, and, and part of that was too, is they, they were going to allow a few stations to go, like one of them, uh, WLW in, in Cincinnati, went up to 500,000 500, watts, watts, and it was yeah. for a while, and then they, they then they dropped it, which is ridiculously yeah. expensive. You're actually sucking more than twice that off the grid, at least with the, the old transmitters. Yeah. But the, the, and now all of them have worldwide coverage on the internet, right? That's yeah. what they, what they have. So, I'm, I'm, and, and by the way, something that's happening to AM right now is that if the land under a transmitter is worth more than the station, they sell, they sell, they sell off the station. It may not go on. WQXR, which is now WFME in Queens, their four towers in Maspeth in Queens, put out 50,000 watts and it's going away. They, they sold the land out from under the station for $51 million. Mm -hmm. yeah. And there's nothing new that they're going to, they're, they're going to go away. It's going to be gone and nobody's going to yeah. miss them for that matter. Yeah. Um, so, so we're, I mean, in, in the way that it's fracturing right now into, into streaming, I mean, you know, first, I mean, let, let's visit what happened to, to top, to top 40. I mean, it's, it was interesting to me that it was actually the smaller stations in, in most markets, like uh, WMCA, you mentioned in New York, they were, um, and before that it was WMGM that just got out of it, but WINS had a secondary signal. WIBG and WFAL in Philadelphia were not the major stations. Uh, Weem in Washington, um, WTOB in Winston-Salem. You were on one of them, the Rock of Raleigh, WRNC. Yes, RNC. I sure was. And yeah, I, yeah, I, I consulted, uh, I consulted uh, WTOB. Yeah, and, 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 and it barely got out of Winston-Salem, right? And, yeah, yeah. and it was, its competitor was WAIR, which is no bigger than, than WRNC, which, yeah. um, and, but, and it was WLS in Chicago and WABC in New York were the only two full-size, what they call clear channel stations that, that carried, uh, that carried uh, top 40. And, 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 and that is fractured, you know, that, that, that fractured. And I mean, if, if you listened to top 40 radio in 1962, you would hear country songs on there. You would hear Patsy Cline. You would hear, you would hear R&B songs and Motown made it because Top 40 made it, right? It, it kind of went over from the R&B stations to, to the mainstream, but still 
you know, formats fractured. I was, while you were doing top 40, I was doing, I was working for a progressive rock station. Um, but to me, the interesting thing about that is that the progressive rock station I was on, uh, W, uh, DBS DBS. in Durham, the littlest station in the market when, when it was sold, I, I told them the, 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 you know, the, the guy who was going to the new owners, not only go urban with it, but na- name it Foxy 107. And then you consulted that station. And brought them <laughs> the name. Yes. And, and uh, yeah. And, and, and on top of that, and I, I want to bet by saying they would be number one in one book, even though they had the weakest sound, the weakest signal in the market, which they yeah. were. Well, so, actually, so tell us a little bit no, about how I, that I, all I, 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 I must, with all due respect, I must correct you. Um, I, I'm going to stick were, with my story. <laughs> uh, feel, feel free to, but uh, I'll, give you the, I'll give you the facts. Uh, they weren't <laughs> number one in one book because uh, the guys who bought it, um, father and son team, were uh, not capable of running a radio station. Um, uh. And so they didn't beat 57 Willie, where I did one uh. shift, by the way. Um, yeah, well, I was a, I was capable of doing a perfect voice imitation of uh, the guy who was their program director, who would, used to work with me at the Rock of Raleigh. Um, and and uh, for, for the I, trivia's sake, that was W L L L E, also in five seventy, like WMC yes, in New York, and yes, the one and in it, South it, Dakota. Yeah, yeah, and it was the black station in Raleigh for years. And like I said, the, the our overnight guy at, at the, the Rock of Raleigh. Um, got a job there as PD and program director. And so he was really happy there. One Sunday he was sick as a dog and um, he calls me up and he says, can you do my shift? I said, what do you mean? He said, I'm sick. I I feel terrible. I said, you want me to come over to Willie and do your shift? He said, you could do me. And it was true. I did a perfect imitation of the guy. (laughs) So I drove over there and did six hours. Anyway, uh, the guys who bought um, Foxy, um, I forget what the earlier call letters were. The, the, the guys, oh, it was DBS. It was Deebs. <laughs> we yeah. used to say, let's do some yeah. Deebs. Um, anyway, the, the guys who bought it, uh, Rich something and his father, whose name I don't remember. Yeah, they were uh, from the Midwest. They did WDUR. They owned WDUR, I think. Oh, yeah, that's right. They did badly yeah. there too. Um, mm-hmm. But they had they, they were just rolling in money. Um, so anyway, they, they bought it and they mismanaged it to death. And uh, it, it got sold to uh, Pinnacle Broadcasting. I, I, can, I consulted a good many parts of that company, too. Uh, anyway, um, Pinnacle bought it, and uh, the manager, who's a wonderful guy, brought me in because he knew of my successes in other markets uh, doing the black format. And so uh, I came in there. I renamed it Foxy. Um, and, yeah, in one book, we were number one. And we remained there even when a 100-kilowatt monster station came in. Uh, because we understood how to program and they didn't. And although the, 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 competi- the, co- the competition was actually very good, but, you know, uh, we had, you know, just a, a few things up on them. I mean, yeah. yeah. Another uh, co-owned, I think, that uh, that was a station from South Boston. Yes. And it kind of dropped in on the Raleigh market by moving their transmitter. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so now, okay, so two things are going on that are interesting. There are three things that are interesting to me. One is um, radio is still there. Okay. It's still in cars. It still has ratings. It still gets advertising. It's still listened to. Um, But 
a couple of other things have come along. Like first satellite radio, really in the aughts, in the mid aughts, came along. They got Howard Stern, which is really brilliant, and he he helped them a lot. Still there, um, but you go up the dial on 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 Sirius uh, now Sirius XM and there are far more formats than you ever heard on over the air on terrestrial radio and it's also on the internet too um, I, I've been a subscriber forever I'm paying my whatever it is a year uh, about 12 bucks a month 12 13 bucks a month and we've got it in the car and it sounds great uh, and um, and I get it on an app but on top of that there's pretty much all of the series radio stations around the internet and, and podcasting and, and all kinds of formats, a zillion formats are there and, and there's podcasting. And on these things, you can pause, you can rewind, you can, you know, like this podcast, uh, you want to listen to what we're saying right now at one and a half speed or two speed or half speed. You can do that. Um, how does, how does radio stay competitive with that or should it, or should it not? I mean, is it going to go away after a while? It's, it's yeah. ironic uh, that, that you mentioned um, this because just before dialing into this, uh, into this meeting in, or meeting into this <laughs> yeah, it's conversation. A yeah. Into this conversation, I uh, was listening to Sirius XM turbo on, on my, on my laptop, my MacBook, And, uh, you know, it's just like you said, it's accessed everywhere and it, it, the, the content is more focused to, you know, to my liking. Yeah. I mean, they've got a channel there called POTUS that's about nothing but the, you know, president of the U.S. It tries to be very nonpartisan. It was really interesting to listen to for the last four years. I think it's going to be kind of dull now. Um, but uh, it's it's just ridiculous what the what the choices there are. And and less um, commercials, no commercials and, yeah, in some and, cases. And, and no commercials on most of the music. And, and, and they, I think they bought, did they buy Pandora or did, yes. buy, yeah, they bought Pandora. Um, uh, I don't think you can beat what Pandora does either. You know, that I think the way that they give you music that's like the music you just listen to and you vote it up or, and vote it down. Uh, um, allow me to completely disagree with you. Okay, go. Pandora is an abject failure. Uh, Pandora okay. said that I mean, it was, I mean, it was, a, it was a, a worthy experiment, that's for sure. But Pandora said, pick, pick the music you like, and we will take that and make your music genome and give you the music you like from now until forever. Unfortunately, it never did that successfully. It just kept giving you the music you already knew and didn't expand it properly. One of, the, one of the problems with that was that if you listen to a, a progressive or just a regular album rock station, there's a big difference between progressive and album rock, um, and you liked uh, you know, a Van Morrison album or a Jethro Tull album or a Led Zeppelin album, um, you might actually not just let that album play. You might really like you know, two cuts on one side and three cuts on the other back when there were two sides of an album. Um, or on a CD, you might like just certain tracks. Uh, Pandora made the assumption you like the whole album and would just play you cuts from the whole album. You might actually despise some of the songs on that album. Pandora never took that into account. Um, Pandora couldn't also figure out like type songs, like uh, you might enjoy two John Denver songs and just be appalled by the rest of his catalog. 
like say me. Um, uh, but if you like two John Denver songs, they gave you a whole diet of John Denver songs. And they also did not understand the segue. You don't go from John Denver to Whole Lot of Love by Led Zeppelin. Or should I say the John Denver song like I would like. And they just didn't get the concept of programming and, and what has to be smooth in programming. Now, from the radio business, uh, there was a wonderful program called, it still is, called Selector. And you could program Selector in any number of ways. This is a computer program uh, to determine what flowed well into another, what kind of uh, timbre a song had, what this, what that, all kinds of values of, of a song in order to program successfully and have a smooth hour. Pandora had none of that. And it kept failing. And Pandora didn't grow. I mean, Pandora should have had news and sports and talk. But it said, no, we're the music genome thing. And it also didn't know how to sell advertising when it felt forced to do advertising. Um, and the ads sound horrible on it, too. I mean, I don't know what they do. They run them through some kind of filter that sounds terrible. But yeah. here, let me, I'm, I'm going to defend them a little bit. And I'm thinking, we should have Tim Westergren on here because I know him. He's the guy who started Pandora. He's gone now because he sold it. So we have a Sono system at our house here and mm -hmm. Pandora's on it. There are lots of other music sources too. You can, you have Apple and Amazon and the rest of it. And every guest we have here, I mean, not guests, I mean, we, we people rent the house and, and they, um, I mean, I rent it all the time, but we do rent out parts of it. And, and they find, you know, if you have a Sonos app on your phone, it will find the Sonos system in the house you're in and you can now control it. And, and they have added a ridiculous number of, 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 music, of, of, of music types to it. I mean, I'm just looking here. Jeez, I was gonna, um, where'd it go? I just took screenshots of it on purpose so I wouldn't, so I wouldn't like run it. There are people in the house right now and I don't wanna screw with it. Anyway, it's, there, there, there are hundreds of different artists that are on our, on our Pandora system that we never did. But I agree with you that they, the, the the music genome thing is weird and and I'm and and we'll go into that but like we, we I put I brought put on the Beethoven thing and it gave ever like Moonlight Sonata over and over and over again I finally vote it down and I still get Moonlight Sonata right so yeah. it, it it is a little bit of a broken record thing but um but it's part of the but it's part of the choice that's out there okay maybe it'll fail maybe it's an unqualified fail but there I mean there are you know, I rather liked when Cousin Brucey was on, was still on Sirius. He played really deep cuts from the four, six, uh, 50s and 60s. I mean, stuff he never would have played on WABC, which right. is back on now, you know, for, for, for just fun. Yeah. The only disc jockey from that time that's still alive didn't smoke himself to death. Well, it's interesting what you're saying. What you're talking about is post-purchase Pandora, which I didn't realize was such an interesting thing to say. Um, after SiriusXM bought Pandora, they threw away much of the Pandora concept of programming and you know, put their people in charge of it and made it much better. The Pandora you now have is not the Pandora of its origins. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah. So, okay. So I'm just curious, I, I'm, I'm guessing, I won't guess it, what, you know, we, we talked about, we listen, we listen to, so, so Petros, what, what besides Sirius, or maybe Sirius, all you listen to? What's what's your what's your media input there? It's pretty much just Sirius uh, right now. Sirius XM. 
Mm-hmm. I haven't turned down um, terrestrial radio, as, as you have come to call it, um, in, in ages. It's been probably six or more years since I've dialed into an AM or FM station. And wow. Sirius is the only way I get my, my you know, radio, um, you know, that's your radio. That yeah, is, that's that my is, radio. Exactly. That's your radio. Do you? Yeah, and you have it um, in your car, I assume, but you have it in your house. And, yes, yes. And in, in, on the app. Uh, in my car, my wife's car. Um, I access it through my, you know, through my phone on an app on my, on my MacBooks through the website, and uh, that's yeah. And and I have it connected to you know all these devices connected to the, all the speakers in the house, so. So I can walk from one room to the other and it'll just continue mm. playing whatever station I was listening to. So something I've started doing with, with, uh, with Sirius is I found it easier to pause on the app and especially with the music stuff. Like you, you, you look at the, you know, uh, I'll look at, um, well, let's say it's one of the country stations and, uh, well, let me take it to one of the, the blue stations. There's one that's, that's uh, BB, the BB King station. So let's say it's, it's going to have a BBC King song that's about to come up, right? And, I, and it'll pause and, and start it after I start listening, right? It isn't, whereas if I'm listening on the radio part of it, I'm going to get it, some part of the song. The yes. app will kind of, the, ha- the app is a little bit more adapted to you. And so I'll, when I listen in the car, I'm listening more on the radio. Um, I mean, not on the radio, but on the phone, the serious app on the phone rather than the serious radio in the car and another thing with that is that if if i'm going we live in an area where if i'm going under trees or if i go in in our garage our garage has a a metal roof and so it's gone <laughs> you know there's no whereas where you live in chicago there's actually like a way of that they have a a, tra- a, low, a a ground transmitter a terrestrial transmitter that that supplements what's coming from the sky uh which is helpful uh, yeah, but if I go through a drive-through at a fast food restaurant, it also goes you, you out. It, yeah, yes. and an but, interesting thing there is, you know, that, that satellite is twenty-five thousand miles away. <laughs> it's kind of amazing how that works. But no, that's 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 an interesting point that you bring up, and it's a feature that I've always enjoyed from the app and from the um, the the internet version, as opposed to the one that's going straight to my car. And that is, you don't go immediately into the live feed you essentially start at the beginning of the song that is currently playing which is an awesome feature so you don't miss out on any of it um and yeah you have the ability to pause and resume but nowadays a lot of cars also get fitted with hard drives while it's not the same you, yeah. you know have similar functionality where you, just like a dvr you can pause it and then resume but then when you turn off the car, you switch the station, you just lose it. So, um, so Dean, uh, maybe a good way to move toward wrapping this because you need to have time for Paul as well. Um, is, is it, it seems to me that, you know, the, the distinction that, that, that Petro's just made, you know, between something that is like old radio, it, you're going to hear what's on right now, nothing else. And, and what you can do with an app where you can stop and start and stuff like that and go back. Um, 
because that, I mean, if I'm listening to Howard Stern, I can go back, I can jump forward and back on that show on, on the app. I can't do it in the car. Um, that's more control for the individual. And where do you see radio going or what succeeds radio going and control in the individual's hands? I'm going to go backwards and then go forwards with that. Um, 25-ish years ago, maybe a little longer ago than that, uh, I was telling all of my clients that they needed to have a website and they needed to have a web presence. And I got laughed out of a lot of offices uh, or laughed off of phone calls for saying that. And mm. man managers uh, would say to me, well, where's the profit in that? Where, you know, how do I make money with that? And they'd say, do I need to hire another engineer? Our engineer doesn't know how to do that. And I'd say, no, no, no. It gives you web presence. I give them all the positives, but they just couldn't see it. The joke's on them now, right? <laughs> well, yeah, that's just it. Then about seven or eight or nine years later, when I was deeply involved now in, in you know, doing what I do, you know, being on the web, doing, you know, internet things. Uh, I would get calls back from them saying, remember when you said, uh, back when we were working with you, you said uh, we should do that. What is that thing called? The interweb? Yeah. I said, yeah. And they say, do you think you could do that for us now? And I said, well, we can discuss this. And they say, so what does that cost? And then I'd throw a number at them and they'd say, oh, well, maybe we're not ready yet. And because I wasn't going to do a garbage website for them. And I also started explaining to them they needed to have people, they needed to keep it updated, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the, the problem is that radio, oddly enough, was not ready to take the step. And it was, it was rampant throughout the business. And uh, I mean, I, I would get calls, though, from uh, people further down the, the ranks, not, not managers, not group owners, but program directors uh, or sometimes sales managers saying, how do we do this online? And the problem was they either didn't have the budget or the authority to go ahead and do it. And so that was a problem. And this was happening as the, um, the decline of radio due to Wall Street was going on. Um, I mean, as you mentioned earlier, Doc, I owned a radio station. I was in the, you know, I was in the ownership side of the business at one point. And then came uh, that period of time when Wall Street fell in love with radio and all these uh, groups or newly formed groups, uh, they, they were developed simply to go public. And the, the financial projections were just, I mean, that color blue had not been invented for blue sky yet. And, uh, I remember sitting with one of my clients, a very well-known individual in the record business, uh, and his uh, New York uh, financial advisors, a very well-known firm, and they were showing their projections of how much money he'd make based on a variety of things. And I sat in the meeting and I, I stood up and I said to the guy doing the presentation, I said, have you ever been in the radio business? He said, well, no. I said, no, I didn't think so. I said, in these markets, you expect these kind of increases in revenue year after year, and you don't expect increases in operating costs. And I just went over the whole thing. And the guy said, well, no, but you know, I've got a financial education. I said, I don't give a damn about your financial education. Have you ever been, do you have any way to you know, 
how do you base this? What I mean, I kind of tore the guy apart, and he just kept telling me that he knew finance. And so I turned to my client and I said, "Listen, I'm your consultant. I've never led you down a wrong path. If you follow this, you'll go bankrupt. You'll owe people money. This guy is going to make a really hefty fee on his commission for selling you this garbage. Um, a lot of people are going to go, you know, into the black." And you know this is just a horrible thing. Well, the uh, the guy from the financial firm threw me out. Uh, my client, by the yeah. way, met met me in the uh, at the elevator bank and hugged me and thanked me for telling him that. But that was a very bad period of time, and radio was behind, and a lot of radio companies uh, fell apart. And then what happened was we have what we have now, which is there's you know maybe eight really large radio companies which didn't go forward. But what's now begun to happen, and it's not it's not doing well, is they are streaming, some of them, not all of them. Uh, some of them, including Clear Channel, which is now iHeart, um, they, they, you can get some of their programming and actually get it from the past and stop it. But they don't really understand what is the, the model of a Sirius XM, where you can find, you might have listened to something two weeks ago, and you can probably go back there and get it um, Doc, you know I love baseball. There's a friend of mine who yeah. often tells me that, oh yeah, uh, last week I was listening to you and there's, there's a number of baseball programs on Sirius. And he'll say, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so, there's some duo he really likes. Uh, we're talking about this. I said, really? He said, yeah, I'll capture it and send it to you. And it's from two weeks ago. Uh, this is really good. This is really good use of audio medium. Uh, and radio doesn't do that yet. Funny thing is, NPR does that. NPR really leads the way. But commercial radio has not caught on. And it, I find it very sad. Well, public radio is actually the... Um, I was actually looking at Raleigh, and I thought, expect to see Foxy 107, which is now also on 104. The mm -hmm. big station is pretty far out of town, but it does get in there. Um, uh, is number two. The WUNC, the public station, is number one at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, so here's a sort of a final kind of a question. Um, it's a little history. So back in the, well, I'll put it this way. If you've ever been to Europe or if you've ever driven a European car, like let's say you're listening to um, uh, BBC Radio 4. Um, you don't look for Radio 4 on, uh, on you know, like say, uh, you know, 89.5 or something like that. You, you tune in Radio 4, it happens to be on 89.5 here, but as you're driving somewhere else, it'll switch to another transmitter and then another transmitter, another transmitter. And that's called AF, I think, for alternate frequency and it's done by RDS. And mm -hmm. what RDS does in the US is just tell you what the song is or the name of the station. It's that sort of all uppercase alpha text that runs on the screen. And it's not HD radio, HD radio is a subsequent thing that came along. but what RDS allowed stations to do is, is have a fleet of signals that, and radios would hunt from one to the other. In the US, when RDS was coming along, the, the rule of limiting the number of radio stations that could be owned was still there. And, um, and so the US decided, the US engineers decided they would not do that. Had they done it, they would be in a much better position than they are now. You, you yes. could just, you know, you could just tune in NPR rather, and you're just driving everywhere and there it is, right? And, but 
so now I think there's a, you know, the, the way that they've tried to save AM is with translators on FM. So um, you're at WCHL in Chapel Hill. Uh, nobody listens to 1360 anymore. They're listening to the translator on 97.7. It covers mm -hmm. Chapel Hill and not much more than that. It's a little 250 watt translator, but it does do the job and it covers Chapel Hill. Um, but that's how they're saving AM is just like putting some of the stations on FM. Yes. Uh, but the real way to save it, the real way to save both AM and FM is to have it do like RDS does, you know, whereas where you're in your car um, and even it could be involved with, uh, with, with Sirius. I mean, Sirius itself could play a role in this. They could put some, you know, you, you'll, you don't know what, you don't know whether you're listening to something that's coming in over the cellular system or it's something that's coming in over the air, whether it's an AM or FM or something and integrating them and saving AM and FM that way. Do you see that ever happening or do you think they're just not smart enough or capable enough to do that? Well, both. Um, <laughs> I, I see it eventually happening. Um, there are some government things that, um, which are a whole complete other discussion, which would take hours to have. Um, it's highly political um, and would require the FCC doing a transformation like you can't imagine. Um, I mean, it, it's entirely possible and it should happen, but there, not only is it, it's political and financial and it would so change uh, the economics of broadcasting as we know it. Um, I mean, we're actually for the better, but not in, not in the immediate. Um, I mean, I say this as someone who owned a radio station and it could well have destroyed us in the beginning unless we, you know, got, you know, like five years of operating money while we went through the change. Uh, I could see how to do that. And, you know, I, I like to think I was always forward thinking, but I could also see how clients of mine would have jumped out the window at the thought of it. Like they just, they mm -hmm. wouldn't have been able to see past three months, uh, especially the publicly traded ones who, uh, worry about how they're going to look in the next quarter. So, yeah, and I don't think it'll all be serious. I think that some other incredibly well-funded or some others uh, that are incredibly well-funded will get into the serious XM game, which I think would be better. You know, competition makes things better, not worse. That's an interesting thought uh, that, that um, I mean, we think of Sirius XM as a, a satellite radio, but it's really internet radio that happens to have satellites. Yes. Or a satellite. It's probably much, it maybe might be more than one. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't matter. Um, well, th this has been great. Um, if the audience wants more, <laughs> they can ask. Um, uh, and I, I'm going to. So, so thanks for being with us, Dean. I really oh, appreciate gladly. it. For what it's worth, yeah. I had taken a whole bunch of notes and we've barely gotten into my notes. Yeah. Well, th that's why we, you know, it's, there's a lot, a lot of optionality here. So our next guest is Paul Walker, who runs and participates in, in, in a number of uh, really interesting Facebook groups that are private. The rest of the world's not seeing them. Uh, one people entirely by engineers, another one people in love with AM radio. Uh, Dean is also on that one, Dean Lansman. And, oh, yes. And, and I'm, on, uh, uh, I'm, I'm on that one. And one called I Take Pictures of Transmitter Sites. And 
I'm very active on that one. And that one is one that Paul started. But more importantly, Paul is a lifer in this sense. He's a, he is a DXer. I was a huge DXer as a young man and um, uh, both as a teenager. And then once I was an adult and moved to North Carolina and I was working in radio, but I love listening to faraway radio stations. The one reason I know all the coverage that all the, all the states, the WNAX and now South Dakota covers is because I can visualize those states. I visualize them because I stared at maps and I stared at maps because I was listening to faraway radio stations. And, but Paul still does that. He moved to Alaska to do that. There's so many stories. I, I think Alaska exists in some ways just for stories to occur because it's all, it's a, you know, it's a hard place to live and it takes, it, it takes hardy people to move there and do the hardy things that they, that they do, whether it's, you know, panning for gold or, or panning for radio signals, which is, I think what, what Paul does, um, you know, when he's not <laughs> making signals, he's panning for them. Right? Well, my, um, my, uh, my Alaska story is not anything quite as monumental as that, but I, I've been in radio for, for 18 years and when I was younger, I just knew I wanted to be in radio. I didn't really have any other concept in mind beyond that. And I got started in radio. Um, and and I kind of knew, though, that I never really wanted to be like Orlando or Memphis or anything like that. And a couple years into it, I started really small, not as small as McGrath, but small. And, and something, I, I think, like a lot of people, I guess you could say I almost got the Alaska fever. I'm like, I want to see if I can hack it in Alaska. Because even back when I started 15, 16 years ago, there were TV shows about Alaska. And right. I wanted yeah. to see exposure. if I could do it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it, it, took, um, it took about 10 years for me to make it to Alaska as the uh, program director for KIYU in Galena. And it was again, largely to see if I could hack it, but B, I also wanted to do radio that legitimately was depended on what was, was needed. Um, because in, in the service areas of KIYU and in KSKO, we are the only radio station anyone can really hear unless you are like me and set up, you know, extravagant setups, you can hear Anchorage and, and Fairbanks. But as I told my boss in Galena, we were chatting um, one day after I'd been there about a month, I said, you know, one of the reasons I came up here was DXing. You know, I wanted, I wanted to do that. And um, I left Alaska for the lower 48 and I'd say less than six months after I left, I was like, I'll be back in Alaska sometime. And here I am. So can you talk a little bit about DXing? It's something that Doc mentioned in an email to me and I had no clue what he was talking about. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's tuning the dial for distant radio signals. And it usually involves, as a lot of us know, AM radio, even people who don't really know radio kind of understand when they were a kid, they probably heard skip from Chicago or Dallas or, or whatever. Um, when I was in Connecticut, 
I could hear stations from Cincinnati, from Cleveland, from Boston at night, like they were 20 miles down the road. And, and DXing kind of takes that to a, a, a another level because you kind of look for the signals that are not the everyday common things. You look for stuff far away and, you know, people um, in say Wyoming and Colorado, where I used to be, will hear things that people in Texas won't hear. And being in Alaska, you know, I go outside before sunset and I'm hearing Japan, China, and South Korea, like it's 50 miles down the road. It's right. basically hunting for distant AM radio signals. Now it can also involve shortwave and in mostly the lower 48, it can also involve FM when certain special weather conditions are present. But AM and shortwave DXing and signal skip happens year round. Yeah, and it, it's interesting to me that, um, I mean, you, I mean, I grew up in, in New York um, or near New York and D, DXing made my life in a lot of ways. I, I remember, I mean, I grew up, I mean, I get into radio, I get into interested in radio because out my bedroom window, I could see the tops of the towers of most of New York's AM stations. And I could ride down there on my bike and visit, visit the transmitters and visit the old, the old guys who ran the transmitters. Almost all of them are run remotely now, but, um, but you need, those things needed to be manned in the back in the day and, and tended like, like an aquarium or something. And, and the care and feeding of a transmitter was, was a careful, exercise and and most people don't know that um on am the whole tower is that is the is what radiates on fm it's just a, a little contraption on the top of the tower or on top of a building but on am the whole towers uh, radiate and collections of towers are are directional arrays that that push signals in one direction or another and and this fascinated me and but then one day i heard uh wkbw from buffalo um and coming in like a local at the top end of the dial where most of the ethnic and the classical stations and stuff like that were. And I just got so fascinated by that. And, and then I, and I was, I was, then I became a ham radio operator and for a, a year I was a novice and I never, I never got past that because I didn't pass the code test. The last two times I missed a space and my, I was busy being sent away as a, as a bad student to a, a, uh, boarding school at the time. So I never got to pursue it beyond that. I probably could have if I stayed home. But anyway, uh, but I, I used the ham radio that I had not to listen to shortwave, but to listen to faraway AM stations on on my ham antenna in the backyard. It was a 40 meter antenna. And and I'd get KFI from Los Angeles and, and all these big stations from Chicago and KSL from Salt Lake City. And it educated me. I mean, it developed, I developed a really deep appreciation for geography and and, and also how radio waves propagate, how they bounce off a an invisible layer in the sky called the ionosphere and sometimes bounce multiple times. Uh, when Paul hears um, Thailand, it's bounced several times off the ocean and, and land to get to him. That's, to me, that's just deeply interesting that that, that happens, you know, and, and, and that the inverse square law applies, which says for every doubling of distance from an antenna, there's half the signal strength. But when you're dealing, but with even a fairly weak station is, you know, can carry an awful, awful long distance. And, and it's like fishing. I mean, and I think what Paul does is a, his kind of fishing in a way. 
I'm, I'm um, what's interesting, Doc, is um, when you're in locations like mine and you've got stations along, you know, coastal parts of China and Japan and Taiwan, anything is possible. And you talk about something that that baffles the mind. Um, just a couple of days ago, I heard a station in Japan that's all of 100 watts because it's right on the water and I am in just the right location for it. Yeah, I, I remember um, figuring out that um, uh, KFI from Los Angeles bounced twice off the sky, but in between bounced off flat prairie land, whereas WOAI in San Antonio in middle had to do two bounces to get to me also, but in the middle, it had to bounce off the Appalachians. So I hardly ever got it. Um, in, mm -hmm. in Hawaii, everything on the West coast comes in pretty well at night because it's bouncing off the ocean in the middle. Uh, it's, it's, you know, and, and there, there's so many to me anyway, fascinating things about AM that are, you know, that are, there's so many variables involved in it. Like for example, seawater is a great conductor of AM waves, which is why, as we discovered on one of the, one of the several forums that Paul is active in um, that uh, I was wondering how well uh, in the daytime AM stations from the East coast come in in Bermuda. It turns out they come in pretty well. Uh, Cause I remember as a kid hearing New York stations dedicate songs to people who called in from Bermuda and, and not just at night, which is when AM signals bounce off the sky over great distances, but it had to go across the ocean and even small stations like WMCA in New York, which is, uh, just 5,000 watts rather than 50,000, which is the max, come in really well in uh, in Bermuda. And anyway, that's fascinating to me. <laughs> but um, one thing that is also interesting to note is KSKO is on FM now. We're on 89.5. We've got 90 watts at negative 81 feet above average terrain. But when KSKO started 40 years ago this summer, it was on AM. It originally started um, either with 1,000 or 5,000 watts and then subsequently upgraded. I think it started with 1,000 and upgraded twice to 10,000 watts on 870, non-directional 24-7. And uh, it shut off the AM um, five years ago because... While the FM tower is at our studio and is on city power, which, by the way, is like 60, 70, 80 cents a kilowatt hour, uh, the AM was not on city power. It was fueled by a generator around the clock, which was costing the Kuskokwim Public Broadcasting Corporation $60,000 a year in fuel alone. And that got to be too much. They replaced it with FM transmitters in various villages. And we now serve more people reliably with smaller FM transmitters because they're in, you know, the FM transmitters are right in a village, 125, 150 miles away, where you could probably hear the AM there somewhat well most of the time. Now you've got a full-time FM signal. Thanks everyone for joining us for these couple of conversations. Thank you especially to Doc and to Dean and to Petros and to Paul. We'll see you next time. <laughs>